Hello, everyone, and we welcome you to our Sunday morning roundtable discussion. We are recording from the Plainfield Christian Science Church Independent, Plainfield, New Jersey, the United States of America. And thank you very much for joining us. And we'll begin with the morning prayer. I'm reading excerpts this morning from page 115 and 183 of Prose miscellaneous writings. May God enable my students to take up the cross as I have done and meet the pressing need of a proper preparation of heart to practice, teach, and live Christian science. Your means of protection and defense from sin are constant watchfulness and prayer that you enter not into temptation and are delivered from every claim of evil till you intelligently know and demonstrate in science that evil has neither prestige, power, nor existence, since God, good, is all in all. Man is freeborn. He is neither the slave of sense nor a silly ambler to the so-called pleasures and pains of self-conscious matter. Man is God's image and likeness. Whatever is possible to God is possible to man as God's reflection. All by Mary Baker Eddy. Beautiful, thank you. And the watching point. Watching point number 149. Watch lest you permit demonstration to become work in the sense of its seeming a burden. The human conception of work, if permitted to obtrude into science, takes away the joy and efficacy of scientific effort. The scientific effort is not to establish good, but to realize that good is already established as a present reality. True work is not to make good ever present, but to awaken it, but to awaken to recognize it. Demonstration is hard work only when it is an effort to do something. It becomes a buoyant and triumph joy when it's the effort to recognize and realize that which God has already done. Only such a right endeavor will establish God's will on earth as it is in heaven and will be unlabored. End quote. Thank you. I love this watch yeah. this week. Go ahead. Just a really good reminder that you're not making something <laughs> that you're realizing and it is unlabored because it's a joyous thing to see God's creation and real see it rather than thinking you're trying to make it and just kept reminding me, you know, it's not me, not my personal responsibility. Yes. Thank you. Anyway, go ahead, Florence. It's like all doing and being. <laughs> I've been thinking about this. It's like the effort to do something. You always hear or to show somebody, somebody something. Oh, I've, I did this. I demonstrated this and that. And we never lose our joy in doing, in being something what God is and so just to be mindful not to lose as we, we are told not to lose our poise not to lose our joy in being what God has already made 
That's beautiful. Thank you. I love that. Also, I'm learning that if you're constantly trying to change something or make something which is already perfect, but you think you're doing something, you're holding the problem in thought. Yeah. And this is what I've been, this is, this has been something that I've had to really work on is I, I think I'm not holding it in thought, but anything that tries to tell me that I'm, I've got to do something to some, you know, change it. I'm holding it in thought rather than seeing the perfection that's already there. Very excellent point. Yes. So you've created something and now you've got to destroy the something you've created. Yeah. So, yeah. These are all the subtle nuances that we have to be aware of in order to do our work correctly. So, yes. Anyone else? I'm just grateful to know that we don't have to establish good because I can <laughs> see how if we thought that, then we would think, well, maybe it's okay to force it now, you know, in this situation. Hmm. We do what we can to force it into place, but since it's already there, we don't have to do that. Thank you. Yes. It goes along with what's on our watch message at the bottom about what Mrs. Eddy said, hear ye, O Israel. And we come not in our own will, but in knowing it's God, God working, God doing. And yes, he is his reflection. Do you have that quote? Oh, wait a sec. Let's hang on, Sari. <clears throat> Sorry, just trying to turn the speaker on. <laughs> okay, there, there we go. go. Oh, I just wanted to say I'm very grateful for the practitioner work of uh, teaching us how to work with the scriptures and the material so that it becomes uh, really beautiful and the atonement becomes part of us. It's not outside of us. And that's something that um, I feel we have to develop, as a previous speaker said, uh, about like having, uh, you know, our spiritual bank account always uh on a good place. Yes, thank you. Um, what then? Also, the, there was in Collectania, um, in, under prayer, Mrs. Eddy says, I must know that the definition of man in science and health applies to me. I am that spiritual man. I am God's image and likeness reflecting a full perfect image of life, mind, action, etc. not under the not under material laws or limitations. And since the definition of man was in the lesson this week, I just was knowing that applies to me and, and everyone that I I have to know it and recognize it and firmly stand on that. Yes. Yeah, we've been taught here science and health is our autobiography or <laughs> And, and always, to, instead of man, say, I, I yeah. am the image of love. I have no separate mind from God. I have no, not a single quality underived from deity. Keep applying it to yourself. It makes it so much more real. And even the first verse in Science and Health citation, first citation, the great spiritual fact must be brought out that I am, not shall be, perfect and immortal. 
So yes, bring it, hone it in, bring it home. So, and yes, the subject today is mortals and immortals. And what was it you wanted to read? From that, to the watchers. From Oh, thank you. Go from, ahead. Hear, O Israel, for the Lord our God is one God. You are not to come in your own name to pray. You are not to control any mind. You are to come only in the divine strength and know that God will rule and does and that hypnotism and evil minds cannot and do not control men or governments. All power is God good. This is, the, this is my only formula to Christian scientists for prayer. And God will give you faith that will remove mountains. And that's when, from Watch's Prayers and Arguments, page 49. Thank you. I could work with that every day. It's beautiful, complete. I love and it. That, yes, so do I. It, it just brings you back because sometimes you do feel, well, there's certain things you want to have happen. <laughs> and again, that's idea of changing things rather than seeing what God has already created. No, we are bombarded with so much evil as if evil rules. And it's saying that hypnotism and evil minds don't rule. It's God that rules. Thank and you. Beautiful, too. Yes. Thanks. It's only hip hypnotism that makes us think otherwise. And when it appears that evil is ruling, when it's all puffed up, that's when it's ripe for destruction. And it's right for destruction because it's an illusion. It has no power of its own. And when it's trying to appear to have a lot of power, it's like a caged animal, you know, or a cornered animal that's desperate <laughs> to save its supposed life. And we need not be impressed yeah. or discouraged. What did Jesus say? Be not disturbed. These things must... These things must must come to pass. Mm -hmm. All all error can do is to destroy itself. Now, to continue with the watching point, that thought of the the joy, um, we had a I don't know someone named Lizzie. She writes on our YouTube comments, and I'm very grateful. I'm grateful for all of those who write on our YouTube comments and gives us give us thumbs up. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm, we all do. Well, after the um, Bible study last Saturday, she wrote, you are the happiest group of people on earth. <laughs> I have learned more about Christian science from all that you do. I like it when you laugh and ponder things, the, the, the deep things of God. Thank you from my soul. Mm. And I, I was so... <clears throat> happy about that because it is true when you're de when you're living i should say demonstrate living this scientist and being as florence said you are naturally happy how it's, could you not be how could you not be and i have some beautiful things that mrs eddie wrote in miscellany um one happy are the people whose god is all in all and who ask only to be judged according to their works, who live to love. We thank the giver of all good for the marvelous speed of the chariot wheels of truth and for the steadfast, calm coherence in the ranks of Christian science. Mm 
So identify yourself with that, happy. When you know God is all in all, how, as Gary said, how could you not be happy? And then this, a pean of praise on 355 of Miscellany. First a quote, behind a frowning, frowning providence, he hides a shining face, end quote. The Christian scientists at Mrs. Eddy's home are the happiest group on earth. Their faces shine with the reflection of light and love. Their footsteps are not weary. Their thoughts are upward. Their way is onward. And their light shines. The world is better for this happy group of Christian scientists. Mrs. Eddy is happier because of them. God is glorified in his reflection of peace, love, and joy. Uh-huh. Those were so, so beautiful. And we must make sure we do radiate that love and joy to this a weary, what would seem to be a weary world right now. And I can remember, and probably you as well, when you met a real Christian scientist, what were they like? Happy. Happy. (laughs) (laughs) Right, and happy is one of them. Jeremy said completely different from everyone else. But yes, but but there was something about them. Yeah. Calm. Yes. Yeah. Now the fake ones look like, you know, the Stepford wife. (laughs) But the real ones, (laughs) the real ones are very um, genuine. Yeah, calm assurance. Practical, down to earth. uh, Yeah. Poised. Poised, yes. Conviction. Compassionate, loving. Mm-hmm. Yes. And just Gentle. Yeah. Gentle, yes. Yeah, and very real. Yeah. Not not this, uh, I don't know, all quotey and fake. <laughs> and, yep, and insincere. You can just feel it. We used to say you felt like you needed a shower after you spent time <laughs> with them because they were just so unreal. Hello. At the early workers, and I'm not sure who said it, but if you're not happy, you're not practicing Christian science. That was, no, yeah. Yes. Hello. Yeah. Yes. Hi. I, I would just like to share for a second. Uh, that's how I was introduced to Christian science, was in, in college. And this teacher, uh, I, I just never saw a teacher like that. He was Everything was perfect about him. He was absolutely punctual. Everything about him was so perfect. And it just really got me so much. I wanted to know what is with this person. I mean, I've never seen a person like this before. And uh, that's how I ended up knowing about Christian science. He was actually uh, the first reader at a church, and he was also a uh, you know, teaching in college. And that's how I just really had to know about Christian science when I knew what he was about because I never seen a person like that. Everything about it was perfect. That's so beautiful. I'm giving testimony of that. That's lovely. Thank you. And and Mrs. Eddy spoke about the Christians that she knew in her childhood that she was so impressed by. Um, because of how they radiated their love, and um, and yet 
when it came to any kind of error, they were right on it. They didn't just ignore it or pretend it didn't exist or go, but they were, they were really there. And Craig, he, he found out about Christian science. Remember the neighbors you told us about? Yes. I live in a mostly, mostly black area, but there were two lovely white people. Sorry. <laughs> I could be across the street. And, and they were always just so uh, just good and confident and strong and, and, and seemed to be healthy. So uh, much older than I. And we, we, we would talk. I love to talk to older folks. And, and they were Christian scientists. I didn't even know what it was, but I knew they were. Uh, it was just kind of really quiet in our community. It was, I never saw a church until maybe many years later. It was a little piece of a storefront somewhere downtown that uh, we could easily miss. And, but they were the dearest folks. And, and they were always encouraging. As a little fella, I always, you know, appreciated that. And they were always willing to talk. So that's, they had a good feeling about it, even though I didn't know what it was. See, now that, that planted that seed, and that's what led Craig into Christian science. And that other seed is what led Ingrid. And this is expressing our immortality. They're not two of us. There's just the one. But when we express God in these ways, it, it's wonderful. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I woke up and I seemed to have a voice. And it was a Sunday morning. I knew I had to get ready for the roundtable. So I just took you know, that hymn, 324, that we all love and use a lot, Take My Life and Let It Be. Well, I took that verse take my voice and let me sing always only for my king take my lips and let them be filled with messages from thee it's all i worked with as i was preparing for the round table and when i got to the round table i had my voice and the, the congestion that had bothered me just lifted so um that's expressing our immortality, letting God use us in that way. And and that simple two verses, take my voice and let them sing. Let me sing only, always for my king. And then take my, my lips and let them be filled with messages from thee. What a beautiful prayer that is. And you see, all of this, what we're talking about, is um, Psalms 100. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing, which is in our lesson this week. Number one. And Carrie sent me, I thought it was such a beautiful article from the March 14th, 1925 issue. It was called, of the journal, it was called um, Glad Service by a Brigham Odom. And then this, she marked these excerpts. Serving the Lord is not limited to public worship. To serve is to do something, to do something for oneself and for others. It means the performance of the daily duties in the home, in the office, in the place of business. 
One serves when he does, does whatever is required of him and whatever it is his duty to do. If he does so honestly, thoroughly, and gladly, he serves the Lord. One is in God's presence all the time, and it is his privilege to know this. If he does, he is glad and sings. Isn't that a privilege to know you're always in God's presence? One may sing without being heard audibly. <clears throat> True singing includes right thinking. And the audible expression in song and order <clears throat> at the opportune time. The results of true singing, whether audible or inaudible, are health and holiness, joy and peace, love to God, and goodwill towards men. And it also quotes in, in uh, the Bible, a merry heart doeth like a medicine. And then the hymnal, the pure in heart are always glad, the smile of God they feel. So remember that. And remember when you want to express more of your immortality, to express joy. And then also in, this was in 12 Years with, of, with Mary Baker Eddy by Tomlinson. Mrs. Eddy, in her classroom, never allowed an atmosphere of heaviness or dullness. As a teacher, she was the embodiment of vivacity as well as of wisdom. Her method of teaching was her own, imparting the truth by questions and answers. So we know Mrs. Eddy expressed this joy and vivacity and all that she did and never let dullness, apathy, depression settle in. That's a sign of the human mind, the carnal mind taking over. And that we don't want to have. And we don't need to have. And we don't need to have. <laughs> so we enjoy a good hearty laugh. <laughs> and sometimes you have to laugh at error. Yes. Sometimes that's the best way to deal with it because it doesn't like to be laughed at. It wants to be taken seriously. Yep, so just laugh at when you think about it, how absurd it all is. The whole thing is so absurd. It's good to have a good laugh, to see the absurdity of, of mortal mind and its claims. All right, remember after coming here on Wednesdays, there would be a heaviness leading up to the service. And, <laughs> you know, my practitioner said that, you know, this is something you have to work on. And... So, like, the next time when it came on, after a little bit, I realized, oh, it's Wednesday. And then I just laughed about it, and then it was gone. So I, I, I love that. <laughs> just Wednesday. Yeah, just Wednesday. <laughs> Trying to get you, take you off, make you think you have no, nothing to give, make you think whatever. Um, and, and I was so grateful. It was so wonderful to hear some new voices this past Wednesday. And I know... All of you have good things to say. And as I said, if you don't give it one week, then save it for the next. And that will fill our service up with, with joy and energy and praises, peons of praise to God. Mrs. Evans used to tell us Wednesday night was the most, our services Wednesday night was the most important thing going on in the whole world. I just think, Wow. But when you think about it, what could be more important than that, than praising God? And testifying to his goodness and his allness and his perfection. I mean, what could be better than that? What could be better than that? 
and sending that all out to the world. Yes. Because people will feel it. It's wonderful. What an uplift. Yes. And do remember to pray before, during, and after. Um, it's most important. You know, people are still listening afterwards. And people are getting... Um, messages maybe not to come or if we talked about a feeling of heaviness or things going wrong because that's how era would like to trip you up and if you don't listen to it and you keep going and come prepared to give you will have my friends as i like to say you will handle animal magnetism that's what it means to overcome the negative suggestions and then prove it to be nothing you prove it to be nothing by getting there and testifying so the hell you say, <laughs> Era, I'm not listening. And that wonderful feeling you get afterwards, after coming and giving your testimony, yes. or even just being ready. Just I'm sure being a lot ready. of people were ready this last week, but we just had too many. And so, but still was well, a good feeling. Yeah, because when you prove your dominion over all this false garbage, all these false beliefs, how can you not be happy and feel good about it? Yes. It's part of our joy, part of our immortality, because this is the truth that goes on forever. Now, Lil, you want to read the golden text, please? And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Thank you. <laughs> Did you want to say something, Florence? No, I'm just smiling. Okay. <laughs> just, just happy, right? <laughs> Um, Nancy in Texas sent me something. She said this was in Paul Smiley's Bible class. He taught from a commentary, but she wasn't sure which one it was. So it's interesting because they have said when Paul Smiley was here, they used to have Bible classes. Isn't that great? Well, they were independent. So he said the fish of the sea equals a subconscious thought. The fowl of the air is daydreaming. This is having dominion over these things. The cattle, a looming latent error, also a reference to a hippo as it ex appears small in the water, but when it lumbers onto solid ground, it is huge. And then the creeping things, the vast darting lizards, a sharp reactive thought. So I thought that was interesting. Mm -hmm. And we'll, we'll end, we're going to end today on uh, The Creeping Things by Martha Wilcox. Anne sent that into the forum, which I thought was very good. So, all right. Now, a wonderful article that was on the carousel this week was The Immort Immortality Brought to Light by Doroth Dorothy Rieke. So... Now, and, and in it is the story that Mrs. Evans used to tell us a lot, and I always loved it. And if she told us where it was from, I hadn't remembered, but it's from this. And, and Dorothy Rieke quotes, it's quoted from a lecturer. So would someone tell us that story? 
somewhat briefly? I could start. Sure. Well, the little prince was with his nursemaid and got separated from her somehow at the castle. So uh, some gypsies found him and he was all alone. So they took him and they renamed him, gave him a gypsy name. And as he grew up, he came, he became swarthy just like them and looked like them to a certain extent. But then later, when he was a little older and he was alone again, I presume, from the story, somebody, a courtier from the uh, castle, the king, recognized him and said, that's the king's son, and told the young man. And at first the young man said, oh, no, you know, I look like a gypsy. I have a gypsy name. He said, I must be a gypsy. And the courtier said, oh, no. You are the king's son. And the young man started to think about this. And when they, he must have gone back to the castle because, with a courtier, because when they saw him, the people of the castle and the king saw him, he looked so much like the king that he was recognized to be the king's son. And he saw it himself. And he said, I am the king's son. And <laughs> okay. So how, how, how does that relate to us? Well, I love what it says. <laughs> if I really am the son of the king, where did the gypsy come from? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and no offense to gypsies. <laughs> they were very kind to find him and take care of him. So, <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah. But it, it's like we, we are told we're bo born into this mortal sense of existence, right? We're mor mortals. You buy, born into it, die out of it, and you're going to be miserable all the time between. When we are brought into this <laughs> earth, we, we have a strong connection with God. We are intuitive. We are receptive to the truth. Mrs. Eddy says, children learn Christian science really quickly because it's in their heart. But as we grow, we get educated to believe differently. We get educated to, to, to believe that we are something different other than the image and likeness of God. And we have teachers along the way some of which, some of whom are well-intentioned, but most of what we're taught is contrary to what we truly are. And we have to spend, you know, our lives basically sorting out what is true and what is not true. And a lot of people settle in to what is not true and resist the truth that is so natural to children. But, you know, God loves us. And God makes us, <laughs> he puts us in positions where we're forced to recognize, you know, who we are and who, who and what we are. And by d denying who and what we are, often enough, it becomes painful enough that we eventually have to turn 
And Mrs. Eddy says, we turn like tired children to the arms of our everlasting mother, father, father, mother, God. Can I add? Sure, please. And I realize we each are this human upbringing. We may have a enjoyable so-called one or where people are lifting and supporting and trying to do. And then some, which I think of uh, somewhat bad, where they instead downtrodding and pushing down and making them think that they are something most terrible. Like Paul says, the creature, I think those people may, you might have been called at one point that, but they too want to be free. As he says, they want to be free. They want to be the sons of God also. And this Christian science opens the door for them also. And in addition to those that were, they had a humanly happy experience. Sometimes a humanly happy experience puts people into a deep sleep. Um, it, it's not always the best thing. Mrs. Eddy said, what does she say? Better the suffering than a dream that wakes you up. Yes. Than the seeming pleasures and yeah. pains. And always, too. Thank you, Craig. It's hugely important. Yes. Because okay. people say that, oh, my background was just terrible, so this and that. Well, it doesn't, doesn't, truly doesn't matter. God loves all of us. Go ahead, Florence. No, she says in page 181 of Miscellaneous Writings that when we understand man's true birthright, that he is born not of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God, we shall understand that man is the offspring of spirit and not of the flesh. Recognize him through spiritual and not material laws and regard him as spiritual and not material. I think it's the gypsy and the king's, king's son. Thank you. Thank you. Always, I loved. I love to tell people it. I love to think of myself. I'm the daughter of the king. Wow. That's why I let my voice sing always only for my king. It's just so uplifting. And it doesn't matter what background you've come out of. And we've many examples of people coming out of horrible backgrounds. And they just get a glimpse of this truth. And it, it just raises them up. You raise me up. Pulls them up out of the worst conditions. Linda's doing a beautiful job on the... Uh, children's what's it called uh, models of excellence models of excellence yeah this time it's sojourner truth which i didn't know a lot about her but you want to say anything yeah, she talked about being lifted up she was a slave for 30 years and then she walked away she was promised freedom by this uh, person who held her that the new york state was about to free the slaves uh, but it was a year later and he changed his mind. And so she turned to God and asked God, how can I leave? And then uh, she did get an idea how to, what direction to go and, how, and what time to go and how to do it. And she felt it was God. And so uh, she said she walked away. And she, and she said it didn't feel right to run. She just walked away. And then she asked God where to go. And it led her to a Christian family, uh, down, not that far down. 
and she just felt in her heart she saw the house and knew that was it. And then they helped her, but she was tempted to go back to the situation. Months later, she started to remember family, friends, and there was a little special holiday coming up. And yeah, she was about to get back in that wagon with this uh, uh, this man that had held her. He came back out of the blue, which I don't think it was coincidence that she felt this pull to go back and he showed up. But the Christian, Christian family, I know they were praying for her because she was going to get back in that wagon. She had packed had a baby with her. And then all of a sudden, this light came and she realized uh, God was just ever present and everywhere. And she realized she had about her friendship with God that she had previously. And it just, and she was on her knees and so uh, repentant, but she also felt such a sense of love and peace. And that stopped her from going back. And then she lived another like 40 years helping people see the light about slavery and about drinking and about women's rights. And she just was powerful that her trust in God. It's a beautiful story. Yeah, beautiful. Yes. Yes. And, and so it always will be. So spend your time seeking the Father, not complaining about your circumstances. <laughs> That'll only get further down in the hole. And it, it is, they say, it's proverbial, you know, all these people who have, live in huge mansions and have all this kind of money and they're miserable. So it, it's not always, the th it's never the thing to seek. It's never the thing, um, which, before we get back to this, but I wanted to go a little bit into the responsive reading where Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, ye seek me not because ye saw the miracles, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. Labor not for the meat which per perisheth, but for that meat with, which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For him hath God the Father sealed. Now, there we are. What are you laboring for? Sojourner Truth labored for the truth and, and sought God. And she was lifted up out of a horrible situation. There are others who do not labor for the truth. They labor for the loaves and fishes, which maybe now is the time to get into what Parthens wrote. Um, they labor, labor for that. And... It's a dead end. It's a terrible, terrible dead end. And also in the Tomlinson book, uh, let's see if I can find it now, Mrs. Eddy wrote about that. She said, you must examine yourself and learn what are your temptations and errors. Then rest not until you take up arms against them. Put all under your feet that is not worthy to be called truth, wisdom, and love. Practice this when alone. Do not think it wearies you to practice the truth by which you heal the sick and that to turn away from this to lightness and frivolity rests you. This is error and belief, not science. My yoke is easy and my burden is light were the words of him who taught and demonstrated the science of God. Do not seek this science for riches or emulence, but as a means of doing good. Be willing to render up your will all on the altar of truth, for it is science to know that what you sacrifice for this will or this will be rewarded sevenfold, and that if you love money or the world's applause better than truth, 
then you are not ready to come and follow Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. It's on page 81 of 12 Years with Mary Baker Eddy. Um, and it was Carrie. Carrie some, read somewhere that um, we are to read a biography of Mrs. Eddy once, once a year. And I think that's a great idea. Mm-hmm. And we are going to have a section now. Thomas brought this out, how important it is to have a section on good biographies by Mary Baker Eddy. If we don't sell them, we will at least recommend them because he found in the Mary Baker Eddy library run by the organization, they have 33 biographies and some of them are negative about Mrs. Eddy. Now, why in the world would anyone want to do that is beyond me. And they also, of course, would never put the Carpenter book, Mary Baker Eddy, Her Spiritual Footsteps, that we happen to feel is one of the best biographies of all. So any of you, because, well, I know, for instance, Dale W., she's a voracious reader and knows probably every biography under the sun. So if any of you want to make recommendations to us as the really good ones, the spiritual ones, not the ones that humanize or like the Peel books, please write to me or Jeremy, and we're going to have this section, and we're going to try to make it, if people Google a Mary Baker Eddy biography, they're going to come to us, all right, and not to get some horrible thing about her, which, of course, are all lies. And one other thing, while we were talking about the Dorothy Rickey's article, was what um, Louise in Missouri wrote. Um, She quoted her as saying, we are the attorneys for the case of immortality. Now, by declaring we are so, how much more rapid will be our progress if we argue for, argue for, claim, declare, affirm our immortality now? The prayer of affirmation is the highest, most powerful form of prayer. Thus, let our first waking thought in the morning and the last at night be one of affirmation and rejoicing that we are immortal. A hundred times a day, let us tune in on the infinite and thank our Heavenly Father that we are his immortal children. End quote. So, wonderful thought. Now, we are going to go to Parthen's forum. Did you want to say something, Chris? No. Anyone want to say anything? Okay, go ahead, Craig. So, Parthen's wrote... uh, Shelley's poem about Ozymandias, the pharaoh man-god. That's why I'm having Gary read. (laughs) Stands in immortal, unforgettable contrast to the mortal, forgettable life of Ozymandias himself. And here's the poem. I met a traveler from an antique land who said, two vast and trunkless legs of stone stand in the desert near them on the sand. Half sunk a shattered visage lies, whose frown and wrinkled lip and sneer of cold command tell that its sculptor well those possessions, those passions read, which yet survive, stamped on these lifeless things, the hand that mocked them and the heart that fed. And on the pedestal, these words appear. My name is Ozymandias, king of kings. Look on my works, ye mighty, and despair. Nothing beside remains. 
round the decay of that colossal wreck, boundless and bare, the lone and level sands stretch far away. End quote. Mary Baker Glover wrote in Science and Health, 1875, quote, Ontology receives but little attention from the working day world. The science of soul is less understood than all other questions. Little justice is done metaphysics by a utilitarian people where the race is to the swift, end quote. And that's page 275. In reality, Ozymandias' blundering, boastful existence was a frenzied, record-breaking race to the bottom. And so Ozymandias makes for a suitable watch in confronting the self-congratulatory efforts of today's pharaohs struggling to achieve absolute, unchallenged ascendancy in the fields of science, theology, and medicine. Also relevant in this hour of Armageddon, quote, And of these stones or tyrants' thrones, God able is to raise up seed in thought and deed to faithful his, end quote. Mary Baker Eddy. Now he left out especially <laughs> epidemiology. <laughs> Epidemiology. That's part of epidemiology. That's part of medicine. Now, because when I first read that, I thought, what the heck is he talking about? But um, that is the branch of medicine which deals with incidence, distribution, and possible control of diseases and other facts, factors relating to health. Now, he, what is he addressing here? The name of biological warfare yes yes so-called yes and all of this oh how you know this oh my we're studying and we're finding this and this germ and this and that and contagion and vaccines and i'm great and mighty he's saying look what happened to all what's his name right <laughs> whatever that name was Azamandius. <laughs> yeah look what happened to him that's what he sought so and and it's gonna it's all gonna come to naught because where is God in any of that? That was always, I would love that when you'd call Mrs. Evans and, you know, tell her all your problems and Mr. Evans too, they'd say, well, where is God in any of that? <laughs> I mean, it's so true. You know, where is God? There's no God in it. And all that I poured out was totally godless. Well, all of this is godless. And I don't know of anyone who believes in God who would argue with that. So it's amazing how people do think that that medicine does come from God. He gives us medicine. I don't, I've never understood that argument, but that's what people think. It's, it's incredible. I, I don't <laughs> understand it. Well, <laughs> and that is because you've had your training in Christian science. And, and thank God that Ms. Betty explains that. And she'll, she'll even say the doctors say we don't, we don't know what we're doing, what it's, um, what does they call it? Educated guesswork. Thank you. That's the word. That's just what I want. Educated guesswork. And if you if you delve into matter, you're going to come up with a big nothing, a big nameless nothing. And then everybody's on to it right now. 
Mrs. That, Mrs. Eddy calls it an enigma. Yes. And what is an enigma? Inexplicable. There's no explanation for it. Unexplained. Thank you. Craig says it's a puzzle without a solution. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah. But you see, you you don't you don't you, you can't understand it because you understand that it's not true. Yeah. yeah. So right. it it seems to be having a day, but um, as as Gary quotes Jesus, these things must come to pass, but not let don't let your heart be troubled by it. Um, but we we focus on the enduring the good and the true. We focus on on Mrs. Eddy's science. And you see at the same time, they would be trying to rip apart her and take her her name down or put bad biographies about her out there, or turn her into just an American author when she was, in fact, the woman in the apocalypse. But if we know this in our hearts, and we as metaphysicians do this work together in unity, not seeking the loaves and fishes, not seeking all what credit or... or healing even whatever all that comes time perhaps but don't seek it seek the truth for the truth's sake be pure in heart florence no seek the kingdom of god first and then yes. all these are the other things mm -hmm. yes i would like to bring back um about that thought that we need to pray that way about drugs too because especially the younger generations they are told and want to be taught that uh for example pot because it's natural and it's a an herb that god made now they bring god uh that is okay that is even good for you and meanwhile it's uh, really distracting our younger people and in the name of the goodness of God. So those are thoughts that, you know, we can really pray for about. Thank also, you. I want to bring back this quote about children are more receptive to truth. And to me, every time I read that, there goes my first homework is to recognize myself that I am one of those children. Thank you. Very good point. <laughs> thought mm -hmm. yes and linda has worked diligently for quite some time now to she has a pamphlet and what is it called um watches and prayers to bless all our children yes it's watches and prayers to bless all our children and it's full of watches and prayers to bless all our children she's accumulated <laughs> thank you. Yes. the title craig craig held his up yeah we changed the title from protecting to blessing and any of you that want it can get it right oh yeah it's there to download or you can, you can mail it or download yeah we can mail it to you and it's wonderful florence and this is, is on the way and florence's is on the way <laughs> and anyway this is what we, we have been you. working on and doing because Thank what you said is so true we're, we're raising a generation of children who are going to wear a mask or be afraid of germs or believe in the vaccine and they're being touted but let us know that they will they will break out of this because it's not true we hold as sojourner truth said truth is right. powerful and truth prevails right that yep. was a quote in our watch last night and as the master christ jesus said and i if i be lifted up 
will draw in unto me. And that is our job, is to follow him. And remember, and as we started out, it's hypnotism. It's not true. It's not the truth. And this is where we, we, we as Christian scientists, have the trump card, okay? Because we know this. Others don't know this. There's no reality in the air. It's hypnosis. Therefore, we can break that witchcraft spell and release all people everywhere to this truth. Now we're going to end with the creeping things from Martha Wilcox, and we'll blast the heck out of the belief of age. Because as remember, you are immortal, and that can't be age, ageless, diseaseless, and deathless, because God made me so. And uh, our friend Anne from England put this on the, uh, on the forum. On the forum, and she quotes from Martha Wilcox's body, second article, quote, some of mortal minds creeping things are expressed in the material body as age, obesity, anemia, deafness, failing eyesight, wrinkles, thinning hair, slowing up of organs, and many other conditions which even Christian scientists accept as inevitable and over which they exercise no control. Where is our dominion? with which we are endowed and about which we love to boast. Why do we, as Christian scientists, permit these so-called creeping things to come upon us or supinely accept them as beyond our control? And what are we going to do about them in the future? These seeming conditions are not of God, and they are not the fact of man or body. They inhere in or are evolved from human belief, or what is called mortal mind. And by that is meant the material opinions of mankind. If we wish to rid ourselves of these untoward conditions, it stands to reason that we must oppose and overcome these opinions of mankind rather than accept them. And the only place we can overcome them is in our individual thinking. We, as Christian scientists, are neglecting a very important part of our work when we just let these creeping things of mortal mind do what they will with us. End quote. And then Anne says, I often turn to Martha Wilcox's articles about body, as there is so much there to consider about how to exercise our dominion by recognizing our spiritual identity. I'm very grateful for learning about these writings when I found Plainfield, as until then I had not heard of Martha Wilcox, nor some of the other devoted early workers. Thank you so much. And we thank you all for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.